I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian Rollo, and I am excited to have you along for the ride today. I've been looking forward to today's episode for a while. We're going to be talking to Jesse Curry. Jesse is a leadership coach and the founder of First String Leadership. And I first was introduced to Jesse on LinkedIn a while back and we exchanged some messages and I really like his message. I like his leadership philosophy and I'm excited to talk to him today about that. Jesse incorporates his leadership experience from the United States Military Academy at West Point all the way to corporate life at Johnson & Johnson to help leaders and entrepreneurs reach their business and leadership goals. And he is really passionate about the power of mission statements to create change in organizations. So we'll be talking a lot today, I think, about mission as well as everything else when it comes to leadership. We'll see where the conversation takes us. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it and meet Jesse Curry. And Jesse Curry, welcome to the Lead with Impact podcast. Thanks, Brian. Longtime listener. Love the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Well, it is an honor to have you on it. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And one of the questions I usually ask people is to simply tell us, how do you help others? Yeah, it's actually a really good question. Um, And in order, I think, to understand that, I have to explain kind of why I'm why I am where I am today. So I really started my my company, First String Leadership, last year in July, um, following a, a vacation with my wife for our 10 year anniversary. Which is generally on vacation is where you have time to kind of clear your mind and think about what you really want to do, right? Right. So um, while there, I I started thinking about you know currently I work in corporate America in a, in a large medical um, or healthcare company and. I started thinking about the differences between the healthcare company and, and leadership in the healthcare company in my background, which is coming from the as, as an officer in the military. And I thought, man, there's a gap to close there, right? So um, in the Army, one of the things we always focus on, whether we even realize it or not at the time, is leadership development. And then um, not necessarily the same way, I don't think, in, in, in corporate America, not, not knocking, uh, obviously, the company I work for, but then you know, a lot of times we take individual contributors and expect them to become leaders and we forget the leadership development piece. So I started First String in order to kind of help those individual contributors make that jump from being where they are now, uh, maybe as, a, as an expert in a field, to being a better leader and understanding leadership. And um, the way I do that is through podcasting. Um, giving out free content that way. I also do it um, through blogging, which is how I started. But then, too, now I'm starting to do some one-on-one coaching. Perfect. Now, 
what's been your biggest struggle in taking this leap to start first string leadership? Yeah. So, uh, um, as I mentioned, I, I'm still currently employed by, by another corporate entity and, um, trying to build a business on the side. You know, it's been hard time management, um, for any leader is hard. And then, uh, building a company on the side of a, uh, of a full-time, um, job is, is, is a, is a challenge in and of itself. You know, people talk a lot about work-life balance and I don't necessarily believe in work-life balance, Brian, to tell you the truth. I, I believe in kind of a work-life harmonization. And I think if you are passionate about what you do, um, then it's easier to do. So even though it's been a struggle to find time to do what I want to do and do it well and make sure I can put the time into it, the fact that I'm passionate about developing leaders has made it a lot easier for me. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I agree yep. with you on a couple of those things. I also don't believe in work-life balance. I tell people the average American spends one-third of their life at work. That, mm. is, that is not extra time in addition to your life. That is your life going by as you are at work. So Absolutely. Anybody, anytime someone tries to talk about them as two different things, I tend to push back a little as well because mm -hmm. that's our experience. We're, we're breathing. We're eating. We're drinking. We're getting older while we're at work. That is our life. <laughs> yes, true. It's true. And secondly, I agree with you on the corporate part. I started out the same way and I found some challenges myself. So I totally empathize with you. One, in time management, as you said, because I'm sure you work very hard at your current job. Mm -hmm. And secondly, to go back to something you said a little earlier, at least for me, I found it very hard with all due respects to my previous employer, who was great but a real challenge in trying to serve two masters, so to speak, and Absolutely. trying to really couch my words so I didn't offend anyone. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a challenge you have as well, or at least a worry, but it's something I certainly faced until I was able to sort of make that jump out on my own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to keep them separate in some ways, but then one of the things Brian, I'll say as, as well is, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, work is who you are. And the good thing about, you know, working anywhere is, is leadership's a part of it. And starting a leadership development company on the side um, means that, you know, I can also bring that to work and I can help the people that I work with. So that's one way I try to balance that um, as well and, and not necessarily worry about, I guess, you as you were mentioning, you know, what to say and when to say it. But then um, but then also using it as, as kind of a, a place to, to, to help the team that I'm also a part of now. That's, that's beautiful. So I know you work a lot with mission statements. Why do you think so many companies struggle to come up with authentic mission statements? Yeah, that's a great, that's a really great question. Um, I think one of the main reasons is that if, if we're honest with ourselves um, as leaders is that mission statements are one of the quickest and easiest things you can pencil whip. And by that, I mean, is it's really easy um, if you're at a lower level in an organization um, and you have a, a higher echelon that you report into to take what they've already generated and say, that's also our mission. But then when you do that, you're forgetting the fact that, you know, that's that's a that's the next level up. And the further you get down kind of in that hierarchy of the chain, the more granularity you need in that mission statement you know, all the way down to if you're in manufacturing, um, you need to make sure that those operators understand that mission statement as well. And the more grandiose it is, 
maybe people agree with it, but you need alignment with it as well, right? So in order to align with it and make sure it means something, you have to put time and effort into it. And, and also bring people in, and in, in the people that are going to be impacted by it, bring them in with it as well and let them help develop it. Because you know, as well as I do, Brian, from, from working probably in your previous job is if you are handed a product, in this case, a mission statement, and you have no input on it, it doesn't mean near as much to you. But if you're able to have your own input in it, in this case, you know, developing, you know, how, how are we going to do this mission, right? So mission has multiple components, which we'll, we'll probably break down here shortly, but um, how is one of them. And those people that are putting their hands on, you know, if you're an auto manufacturer, putting in the hands on the, on the assembly line, you know, they're going to fill in a lot of that how part for you. Um, because they're the technical experts that you need in order to make sure that you can meet that mission. Right. And there's just so much more buy-in that way too. If Brian or Jesse, if Brian or Jesse is telling me to do something, that's one thing. But if I get to share in the creation of that goal, so much more engaging. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't say it better. It's, it's all about making sure that you have that buy-in and then the buy, that's the first step in creating a team, right? If you have a team, you can call yourself a team, but if you don't have buy-in, then you're operating as multiple different entities, multiple fragments, and you're not getting that full kind of synergy that you need in order to be successful. So yeah, I couldn't have said it better. So let me ask you a follow-up question, especially with your experience in the military. I have found dealing with organizations that sort of come from that command and control structure there can mm -hmm. be a reluctance to let other people have a voice sometimes that aren't at the top because it's always been that the people at the top of the chain create the direction. So do you have any thoughts about that and how do you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, certainly there are people maybe who come from the military who, who may think that way. I think that, you know, it's all dependent on your own personal experiences and and. Personally, I was lucky enough um, throughout my experience as an officer in the military to have some really good leaders who understood that same thing that we're talking about is that the lowest levels of an organization can have significant impact on an organization. I mean, they're required, right? So for the organization to be successful, they're required. So um, I think that it all goes back to more about who you are as a person and how you treat people. And, you know, for me, I think one of the biggest leadership values I learned in my time in the military was humility. Um, and you know, you, you may have a 18 year old private who understands a weapon system who, or who understands, in my case, I was a helicopter pilot. He understood the Apache helicopter better than I did on certain systems. And I would have to go to him and say, Hey, how do I do this? So for me, I think humility is essential. And if you have that humility, then, you know, you can, you can come from any structure, but you'll realize that, you know, it, people say the weakest link of a team, but really that weakest link could be you as a leader. If you're not willing to, you know, embrace the knowledge and the diversity that your team already has inherent to it. So, um, you know, you can do it either way. I've seen people from the military for sure that come out with that top-down mentality. But I think the more and more we've operated over these last, gosh, 18 years in the current conflicts we're in, the more and more we've had to rely on the junior-level soldiers and those non-commissioned officers to be able to to give us really a pulse of what's going on on the battlefield. And I think a lot of veterans nowadays are, are bringing that with them to corporate America. 
Thank you for sharing that. You know, I come mm -hmm. from financial services, which definitely has that mentality. And having never served in the military, I sort of see basically what I see, I guess, on TV and the movies about what it's like. So it is good mm -hmm. to get that feedback. I also had a guest on one of my very first interview episodes. I wish I could recall his name, but I'll put it in the show notes, who is a was a retired leader in the military. And I expected, mm -hmm. again, the command and control, but he talked for the whole episode about empathy, which really yeah. was surprising, at least again, for me to hear. So I guess there have been some vast changes, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I'll piggyback on that empathy piece is, you know, that humility and empathy are, are almost one in the same, right? So in order to in order to be humble, you have to be able to empathize with what somebody's going through. And you, because you, you have to understand that, you know, as an officer in the military, you're going to potentially be tasked with with asking people to do some some pretty um, extreme things. And, you know, in order to do that, you have to be able to put yourself in their shoes. And the best leaders in the military will all tell you the same thing is that you never ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more with with, with the, the leader you had on before. Interesting. All right. I took us up on a bit of a tangent there, but let's get back to mission statements. <laughs> it's good. It's good. What makes a mission statement effective and how do you tie it to strategy and day-to-day -day business activities? Yeah, so great question. I think for an, in order for a mission statement to be effective, as we mentioned before, it has to have buy-in from all different levels. But then, too, it has to answer, I think, three critical questions, right? The first question is, what are we doing? And I know that sounds pretty basic and people may think, well, yeah, of course it has that. But, you know, in, in this case, you know, if, if, if you're a coach, right, you're serving somebody. That's your action. That's what you're doing. You're serving somebody. You're coaching somebody. But you need to spell that out in your mission statement. And then I think so that's one part of it. The other part of it that I think is, is essential is the why. I know everybody by now who's kind of in the coaching community or um, in the personal development space has heard, you know, Simon Sinek's, you know, start with why. And I believe it's a great book, but I don't think it's earth shattering because I think that in a, no offense to Simon Sinek, right? But I think that, you know, one of the things that you have to have in a mission statement or you have to be able to do just day to day as a good leader is be able to explain to people the purpose for what you're doing and, and why you're doing it. So that's, that's your why. So those two components first are the what and the why, and then it comes down to the how, right? So the how is what we talked about earlier. It's, you know, the last part that I think you put in there, um, you have to understand what you're doing and how, and, and why you're doing it, but then you have to figure out how am I going to get there? And that's where you can, you know, really bring in some bottom up refinement and, and be able, you know, regardless of the size of your organization, you can, use this as an opportunity to get that buy-in because the more that people are able to shape a plan and that's a mission statement has is, is a plan. Um, you, you're going to do something and this is how you're going to do it and, and why you're going to do it. So that how portion is more of the tactical piece. It could still that has a strategic impact. Um, so I think those are the three, you know, critical components and then, you know, tying it back to the strategy and day-to-day -day activities is that your mission statement's kind of your North Star in, in any organization. So if you can't relate something that you're doing back to your mission statement, it's a good time to challenge why you're doing it. So it, by that I mean is, you know, we've all heard of value-added task and non-value-added task. 
And there's always going to be some non-value added task. You can't get rid of them all, but you can sure try to eliminate them. So if you find yourself doing something that's not in alignment with that mission statement at any level, it's a good time to challenge your leaders or as a leader to challenge yourself and say, Hey, why are we doing this? Is this helping us get to the end goal that we all agree toward our mission statement and, 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 and why we're here and what we're doing? Perfect. So interesting. I know you mentioned Simon Sinek and uh, I think a lot of us, maybe not all of us are, are familiar with his work, but I'd like to have you maybe expand on that a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, why you think the why is so important, especially in corporate America. Yeah, so I, I think it's important anywhere, but the why is is essential, both from my background in the military and in corporate America, because as a leader, and this all goes back again to what we were talking about before, Brian, with buy-in, is if I just tell you to do something and I can't tell you why you're doing it, I, it's going to be hard to get buy-in. But if I can tell you why you're doing it, you know, one thing I found with soldiers in the military was if you can explain to a soldier why something was being done, they may not agree with it, but at least they know you're being completely honest with them and they're probably going to be more more apt to, you know, get that buy-in that way. It's, it's the same thing in corporate America. You know, if we find ourselves filling out reports after reports after reports, people may not understand why they're doing it. And it's up to leaders to be able to show that bigger picture and be able to say, hey, you're filling out this monthly report that may seem tedious to you. But the reason you're doing it is because of X. It's because it does this to support our mission or it's because this information is required to help decision making. But if you don't give people that, then people start to question, you know, even you as a leader is, you know, did they understand why we're doing it? So anytime you get the chance to explain to somebody why it is that you're doing what you're doing, you know, you do two things. Number one, you, you get that buy-in. And number two, you open yourself up for feedback and for getting refinement. Because if people understand why you're doing something, this goes back to the how is they may say, oh, okay, that's why you're doing it. Maybe this is a better way to get to that goal. Maybe this is a better way of doing that. So I think why is essential no matter what business you operate in, whether it's corporate America, the military, you can insert any anything here, is if you're leading people, you need to take time to give the why. So interesting. And the more I listen to you, the more I think that it really ties back to humility. Because I can't tell you how many times in the workplace and just talking to different business owners, I've heard some variation of the phrase, people should do it because I told them to. You know, like your mom used to say, or at least my mm. mom did, do it because yeah, I told yeah, you yeah, to, yeah. because I said so. And it takes a certain degree of humility to say, I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to ask them to do something, not just because I said so, but because I really need them to engage and understand yeah. And, and, and Brian, it also goes back to trust, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think most of us would agree that trust is kind of the bedrock of leadership. And if you take the time to explain to people why you're doing something, you're taking time to build that trust because, you know, there, there may be a scenario, you know, one in 50 or one in a hundred where you may need something urgently and you don't have time to explain the why. Mm -hmm. But if the other 99% of the time you've taken the time to explain it, You've taken time to build that trust and people are going to then say, you know what, Brian's asking me to do this, but you know what? I trust Brian. He does. He tells me right now he doesn't have time to explain the full thing. He'll explain it to me later, the full intent around what we're doing. And I trust him. 
But if you're always going to people and saying, hey, you're doing this because I pay you. Well, you're not leading at that point. You know, people aren't indentured servants. They're employees. And in order for your employees, and I don't even like calling them employees, they're team members. In order for your team members to, to get you from A to B, which is your team goal, you have to take time to build that trust. And, and, and not telling people why is a good way to, to neglect that trust. It's fantastic. I wrote that one down. People aren't indentured servants. <laughs> it seems sort of brash, but it's the truth. We have to remember that. You know, you, you need buy-in to get everything done. So mm -hmm. you, ta you talked about the fact that sometimes, though, there may not be time for why, which leads me to the question, how does a mission statement provide clarity and chaos? Yeah, so that's a good question, too. If you remember earlier, a few minutes ago, we were talking about um, when you find yourself doing something, you should be able to refer back to the mission statement and say, does it support it or does it not? So, you know, in the military, there's oftentimes, and even in corporate America, but relating back to my time in the military, you know, in Afghanistan, there were times when chaos happens, right? So it's, it's going to happen in corporate America. It's going to happen in the military, but either way, you should develop your mission statement to where when you can't necessarily be there to give guidance when you're occupied, you know, dealing with things as the leader that only you can deal with, but there's essential questions that need to be answered as to why somebody's doing something or if they should do it, they should be able to use that mission statement to refer back to. And if they're challenged with like, you know, a fork in the road, do I do X or do I do Y? They should be able to understand what that impact is going to be on the mission statement which side does X or Y impact it or is one completely out in left field and has nothing to do with the mission we're driving toward as a team. So in that case, no matter what the chaos is, if people know and understand and they have to buy into that mission statement again, then they'll be able to say, Hey, I'm clearly choosing option a or B because that's what supports our team mission. That's what's going to get us further, you know, down down the field and, and not get us stalled out where we are or make us lose ground that we may have already made up on. So in that case, it's more of a guiding guiding light, again, your North Star um, that people can refer back to and, and help to answer those questions when maybe you aren't available to do it. Hmm. Reminds me of a saying I heard once, I can't remember the exact words, but it, something to the effect of one sign of a great leader is things can still go on in their absence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, w I couldn't agree more with that. I used to have a, a, a minister when I was growing up and um, just kind of a, to, to build on that. Yeah, it's a great story. Um it was a small church in Eastern Kentucky where I grew up and it was, he had got called by the, by the, uh, congregation or the higher level community of the church to move to Alabama and, uh, become a minister down there. And he had really spent a lot of time building up the church and we're in there in Eastern Kentucky. And when people found that he was leaving, you know, people were saying, well, you know, I guess this is it. You know, I think I'm going to go to another church and he stopped them. And this was, I was 15, 16 years old. And this, this leadership lesson stuck with me since is he made a point to tell the congregation that if, if they were only there because of him, then he had failed them. But if they were there for the right reasons, it didn't matter who was standing up front. It mattered who they were serving. And in this case, you know, in, in religion, it was Jesus. But at the same time, it could be applied to leadership as well. If people are really serving that mission and people, you know, 
can you can work yourself out of a job as a leader or you can move on to something else and the wheels don't fall off. That's the true sign that you've been successful as a leader is what happens when you're not there or what happens when you leave. Perfect. So how can people find you online? Yeah. So, uh, I can be found at firststringleadership.com or, you know, you can follow me on Instagram at firststringleader. And then I've also got the First String Leadership podcast, which is available really on all major kind of podcast providers that are out there, Brian. So firststringleadership.com, Instagram, and the podcast. So we will put a link to all of those in the show okay. notes and send people your way. And I understand you have something else that you're willing to offer our listeners. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. So going back to the the topic of mission statements and mission statement development, you know, I have a freebie out there for anyone who's interested. It can be found at firststringleadership.com forward slash mission, but it's a simple PDF one to two page guide that's going to help you have those conversations as a leader and help you think about those three things, the what, the how, and the why that we talked about today. Um, and it's a conversation starter and it's a good tool just to sit down with your team and walk through as you're building missions um, and building them the right way. If you could put a one sentence message on a billboard to the world, what would it be? Yeah, I love this question. And, and as a listener to your podcast, I was ready for this one. Um, but it's something that I've, that I've thought of, you know, is, you know, getting into the entrepreneurial space for me and, and, and you could probably attest to this as well, Brian, is um, there's a lot of obstacles out there. So one thing that I often where I've been told and it's stuck with me and I often remind myself of is that, you know, you are the biggest obstacle to achieving your dreams. It's about you putting your foot forward. It's about you getting up every day and putting in that extra work, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be entrepreneurs. It could be anything in life because we should all be trying to improve on something every day. Um, so, yeah, the, it would be that you are the biggest obstacle to achieving your own dreams. That is amazing. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> what does the future hold for you, Jesse? Yeah, so another great question is um, I hope that the future for me is is getting more and more into this leadership space. It's what I'm passionate about. You know, um, growing up playing sports, you know, I, I loved leadership then, but then going to West Point, being in the Army, and then now in corporate America, the, that single thread that, you know, I've enjoyed no matter what job I've had is being, being involved in leadership. And I see – you know, first string leadership in the next few years, really growing, hopefully, and more and more coaching. And because the way I see first string is that it's a way for me not to just have an impact as a leader in the organization where I may be sitting that day, but it's a way to make sure that I can have an, a, even a greater impact on other organizations. Because there's one thing I really believe, and it's my passion behind doing this is because it is that people deserve good leaders. And, you know, I think that if, if this is kind of my life's calling is to get out there and develop leaders and, you know, coach folks as well. And, um, you know, so for me, I hope in the next few years, this continues to grow more and more coaching and then we'll see where it goes from there. Fantastic. Well, it has been an honor to have you on the podcast, Jesse. Thank you so much for taking the time and, uh, appreciate having you on. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. I greatly appreciate it and look forward to uh, talking soon. 